all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Star Wars fans? Welcome to Sway. And for those who don't know, I'm your gracious host, Kyle. So how's everybody doing today? I hope everybody is doing well. I'm a little bit sick, so we're going to keep this kind of short today. You know, in the talking part, not the book part. The book part is going to be awesome as normal, but the talking part, me interrupting the book, is going to be short. But so today we're going to be covering Chapter 3 of the Old Republic's Revan. But first, we must cover the inspirational quote. My way of giving back to everyone that took the time out to listen to the show and I hope these quotes, you know, help you guys out a little bit, open your mind up a little bit and help you guys out during your day. And today's quote is from Michael John Bobeck. And he says, all progress takes place outside of your comfort zone. So if you want to accomplish big things, you're going to have to step outside what makes you comfortable. Just some food for thought. Now let's get to some Star Wars, because this book can never be described as dull. It is full of action and keeps you on the edge of your seat. So let me shut my mouth and get to this book. The galactic market on Coruscant was as busy as ever, but nobody paid any attention to Revan as he made his way through the crowds. Almost two years had passed since he had been proclaimed the savior of the galaxy. Though the Senate had awarded him its highest honor, the Cross of Glory, in a ceremony broadcast across the holonet, and his name was well remembered, his ordinary and rather unremarkable features had faded from public memory. In the aftermath of the presentation, he had become a reclusive hero skewing public appearances and declining interview requests from any and all media outlets. He had shaved off his beard, and he rarely wore his Jedi robes out in public, making it even less likely anyone would notice him. He liked being anonymous. It was one of the reasons he had settled on Coruscant. With one trillion people, it was easy to blend into the crowd. That was even truer here in the Galactic Market, the most cosmopolitan section of the Republic's capital world. Merchants and shoppers of virtually every known species gathered to conduct commerce in a kaleidoscope of colors, shapes, and sizes. Red-skinned Tegrudas intermingled with blue-skinned Twi'leks. Diminutive Celestins haggled with massive huts. Fish-like Mon Calamari shared the streets with feline Cathar. Among such a diverse and interesting group, nobody paid any attention to a lone human and his astromech droid. Unfortunately, the lack of attention meant that many in the crowd accidentally kicked, bumped, or tripped over T3M4 as he scooted along at Revan's heel. The droid expressed his displeasure with a steady stream of angry beeps and chirps. Now you know why I told HK-47 he couldn't come, Revan told T3. He'd probably try to clear a path through all these meat bags with a flamethrower. The astromech responded with a long, low whistle, and Revan laughed out loud before adding... <laughs> Let's not and say we did. Besides, we're almost there. They reached their destination a few minutes later. The dealer's den, a small cantina in the far corner of the galactic market that offered drinks, dancers, and gambling. The dealer's den catered to the seedier elements of Coruscant society. Black market smugglers, thugs, and bounty hunters, stim and spice dealers. As a result, the clientele was predominantly a mix of species with unsavory galactic reputations. Scattered among the Rodians, Chevin, and Kabaz were a handful of humans, including the man Revan had come looking for, Candorus Ordo. The Mandalorian was sitting by himself at a small table in the far corner, his back to the wall, as was his habit. 
He was wearing his familiar outfit of tan pants, a leatherous vest, and a sleeveless black shirt that left his heavily muscled arms bare in order to display the clan mark tattooed on his left shoulder. His hair was styled in a brush cut, accentuating his square jaw and rugged, no-nonsense features. He still looked every bit the part of a mercenary, though Revan knew he hadn't accepted a job since they teamed up to take down Darth Malak two years earlier. So this chapter starts off with Revan walking through the marketplace on Coruscant. He describes how he is trying not to be noticed because he doesn't like all the attention of being the savior of the Republic. This is the reason he lives on Coruscant, with over a trillion people living on the planet. Wow, that is a lot of people. Just imagine that. We only have 7.6 billion people living on Earth, and we are overcrowded. Just think about a trillion people. I can't find a parking place now. I think that's why they designed speeders and flying stuff so they could get around better, because the traffic would be horrific if there was a trillion people here. But basically, he just states on how he's trying to blend in. You know, he doesn't wear his Jedi robes and all that stuff. He tells us how he tries to just look as common as possible. So he's headed to this cantina. And this is where we're going to be introduced to a new character. And we're going to meet him and find out a little bit about him. And he's a Mandalorian named Candorus Orto. And this guy sounds like he is big and mean. And that's just from the description Revan gives. So let's see what more we can find out about Candorus in the rest of this chapter. The scantily clad Twi'lek dancer was giving Candorus a private performance as he sipped on a blue-tinged drink. Despite the distraction, he noticed Revan immediately. He raised a meaty hand in a wave and shooed away his entertainment. The dancer shot Revan an angry glare as she stomped away, her head tails twitching with irritation. T3 beeped in surprise. I guess he's a good tipper, Revan answered with a shrug. Nobody else paid them much attention as they crossed the cantina floor and took a seat at the Mandalorian's table. You look like death warmed over, Candorus said by way of a greeting. Is being married to Bastila really that bad? I'm not getting much sleep lately, Revan admitted. Bad dreams, he added as Candorus arched an eyebrow. Besides, you're one to talk. Looks like you haven't shaved in three days. The Mandalorian smiled and caressed the stubble across his cheeks and chin with an open palm. The ladies around here like the men to have rough edges. You want something to drink? Revan shook his head. Not from here. The concoction you've got looks like it could peel the enamel off my teeth. Candorus shrugged and raised his glass to his lips. He took a long swig, closed his eyes, and shuddered. It's an acquired taste, he admitted. So why are you here? I get the feeling this isn't just a social call. I've got some questions about the war. Revan didn't need to clarify. For Candorus, there was only one war that mattered. He and Revan had fought on opposite sides, mortal enemies who knew each other only by reputation long before they joined forces against Malak and became friends. Not much to say. We lost. You won. Candorus said with a shrug. We thought we could conquer the Republic, but instead we ended up a broken people. He spoke with a casual indifference, but Revan knew him well enough to sense the bitterness and regret behind his words. The Mandalorians had been a proud and noble culture, fighting battles to win honor and glory. Now the clans were scattered across the galaxy, reduced to working as mercenaries and thugs for the highest bidder. 
Revan didn't like bringing up such a painful topic. But there was information he needed, and he felt this was the only way to get it. There's one thing I never understood about the Mandalorian Wars, he pressed. What started them? Why, after all these centuries, did you suddenly decide to launch an all-out attack on the Republic? It was Mandalore's idea. Revan knew that Candorus wasn't referring to the original founder of his people. For centuries, each successive leader of the Mandalorian clans had symbolically taken up the name of Mandalore as a way to simultaneously honor his cultural heritage and reinforce his own authority. To distinguish among rulers, each chose an honorific to define his or her reign, such as Mandalore the Conqueror or Mandalore the Indomitable. The most recent ruler had called himself Mandalore the Ultimate. Mandalore felt the Republic was weak, Candorus continued. Vulnerable. He summoned the warriors of the clans, and we followed him into what we thought would be our greatest conquest. There was no need to ask if Candorus or any of his fellow warriors had hesitated. When Mandalore called, the clans answered. While there might be battles and disputes among those seeking to be Mandalore's successor when he fell, once the decision was made, there was never any dissent or debate. Things were going fine until you came along, Candorus said with a grim smile. You and your followers turned the entire tide of the war against us. Eventually you killed Mandalore, and everything changed. Revan couldn't actually remember any of his battles against the Mandalorians. They were buried in the part of his mind that had been locked away when the Jedi Council turned him against Malak. But he'd studied up on his own history enough to fill in the missing details from Candorus's narrative. In battle after battle, Revan had led the Jedi and Republic forces to victory. Realizing defeat was inevitable, Mandalore the Ultimate had challenged Revan to single combat, and Revan had accepted. Though the Mandalorian fought valiantly, in the end he was no match for the Jedi Order's most powerful champion. But it wasn't enough for Revan to simply defeat his enemy. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. In Mandalorian culture, the death of one leader was merely an opportunity for another warrior to seize control of the clans by claiming the fallen Mandalore's helmet. To prevent this, Revan had stripped the helmet from his vanquished foe's corpse and hidden it on an unknown world. For a warrior culture, defined and bound by tradition and honor codes, the loss of Mandalore's mask was a crippling blow. Denied the sole item recognized as the symbol of leadership, the Mandalorians could not choose a new Mandalore. With no universally acclaimed ruler, the various clans began to fight among themselves for power. Their armies became fragmented and ineffective, and within weeks a series of decisive victories by Revan's troops forced the Mandalorians to accept an unconditional surrender. The humiliating defeat and the loss of Mandalore's mask destroyed the once-proud culture. Candorus had spoken of this once during the time they'd spent together stopping Malak. Surprisingly, he didn't blame Revan for what had become of the Mandalorians. He blamed Mandalore for not being strong enough to win their battle. 
He blamed the brothers and sisters of his clan for being too weak to pick up the pieces so they could rebuild their society. But mostly, he just didn't talk about it. Revan hated picking at the old wound, but he felt he had no choice. Is there anything else you can tell me about what happened before Mandalore declared war on the Republic? Anything unusual that might have been a catalyst for the war? Kanderus tilted his head to the side and squinted one eye. He said anything to do with those bad dreams you mentioned? It might. The Mandalorian nodded. You're getting more of your memories back, aren't you? Only bits and pieces. I keep having visions of a world I don't recognize. The whole planet is covered in electrical storms, day and night. Doesn't sound familiar, Candrus said after a few moments of thought. What do you think it means? I wish I knew, but I've got a bad feeling about it. When do you think it's connected to our war against the Republic? Think about it, Revan explained. Mandalore the Ultimate decides to do something none of his predecessors even considered. Launch an all-out war on the Republic. Malak and I defeat you, but after that, we mysteriously take our troops and disappear into the unknown regions beyond Mandalorian space. When we return, we decide to launch a war against the Republic, too. It does seem like a sort of strange coincidence, Kandorus agreed. You think you ran across this storm-covered planet in the unknown regions? I'm not sure. But something happened to us out there. Something made us turn against the Republic. Maybe it's connected to Mandalore's decision to attack the Republic in the first place. And you think whatever this thing is, it's still out there? And it's still dangerous? I feel like visions are a warning. Like part of my old self is trying to tell me something I can't afford to ignore. Revan sighed. Ah, sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Candorus barked out a laugh. <laughs> After everything we've been through, this just feels like old times. He looked at Revan. So what is it you want me to do? I want to know more about Mandalore the Ultimate, but nobody's going to talk to an outsider like me. I need someone who can talk to the clans and get answers. There was a long silence while Revan waited for Candorus to reply. He noticed that the Mandalorian's fingers were gripping his glass so hard they were turning white. I've spent most of the last five years trying to avoid other Mandalorians, he finally muttered. I wouldn't ask if I didn't think it was important. Candorus took a deep breath and downed the rest of his drink, closing his eyes and shuddering just as he had with the previous gulp. You know, I've been hanging around this Criffin bar for two years, turning down everyone who came to offer me a job. He asked. He didn't bother to wait for a reply. I had a feeling you were going to get mixed up in something interesting, and I wanted to be around for the fun. Guess this is it. I knew I could count on you, Candorus. Let me reach out to some people, the Mandalorian said. See what I can dig up. Can't promise I'll find anything, though. I'm kind of hoping you don't, Revan replied. But neither one of us is that lucky. So what have we learned about Kandorus so far? Revan and Kandorus both fought in the Mandalorian Wars against one another. Then they joined forces to take down Darth Malak, Revan's apprentice. So Revan comes and asks Kandorus about some things that he might remember about the Mandalorian Wars and why they attacked the Republic. 
and remembering that he knows bothers his friend, but it might lead him to the answer he seeks about his dreams. They talk a little bit about the Mandalore. Now, the Mandalore was the ruler of the Mandalorian. He was the guy that basically wore the Mandalorian mask and he was in control of all the Mandalorians. And then Revan killed the Mandalore and stole and hid the mask, the sign of the Mandalorian people. Whoever wore this mask was the rightful ruler of the Mandalorian. By hiding it, there couldn't be a new Mandalore. They talked about the war and something that caused the Mandalorians and him and Malak to attack the Republic. And he thinks the answer has to do with this dark planet. But we'll have to turn into the next episode if you want to find out what happens. So until then, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.